This is Bob Ford of History, Mystery, and Lore, where we travel the Midwest, going to museums and historic sites, talking to experts and old friends who have great stories to tell. Today, I'm headed to Atchison, Kansas, to the Amelia Earhart Birthplace Museum and talk with my old friend Heather. But before I go, let me give you a brief history of Amelia's life before we get into the mystery and lore that still surrounds that life. Amelia was born in 1897 to a well-to-do family who provided her and her sister Muriel with all the normal comforts of an early 20th century household. Amelia was different from the start. She loved risks and seeked thrills. In those times, girls were supposed to act a certain way but Amelia would have none of it. She was a giving person and saw a need for nursing in the early 1900s because of World War I and the Spanish flu epidemic. But once she went to an air show in 1917, her life changed course, and she was off, learning to fly, flying, and setting records for female aviators for the rest of her life. She died, or went missing, at the age of 41. The question behind her disappearance is one of the greatest mysteries that continues on to this day. Let us go now to Atchison, Kansas, the Amelia Earhart Birthplace Museum, to talk about her life, her impact, and her disappearance. This is Bob Ford of History, Mystery, and Lore. Today, as promised, I'm in Atchison, Kansas, at the Amelia Earhart Birthplace Museum with my old friend... Heather Raish. Heather, thank you very much for doing this. Sure. Always good to see you. Amelia is an American legend that had huge effects on society and people's lives, especially young girls. As you know, I've given a brief history of Amelia's life, but before we get to the good stories and the lore, tell me a little bit about this charming house that sits on top of a hill in Atchison overlooking the Missouri River. Well, it started out in 1861, we think, and it wasn't facing over the river. It was just a one-room cabin, and it was by her grandfather, Grandfather Otis, on her maternal side. He bought it, and he had a slave with him that slept kind of in the attic also. So it was one-room cabin with a, a servant, and they after that they added on for 12 years, and they eventually made the front look over the Missouri River, which is beautiful. Well, this is a gorgeous Victorian-looking house, that you have done a wonderful job on with uh, all the furniture and all the uh, everything that a Victorian house would have, all the chandeliers, all the lighting, all the fixtures. It uh, When you walk in, you walk back, and uh, you can sense Amelia here, too. Absolutely. Well, so let's get on to Amelia's life and, and her early life when she came here. She was a tomboy right off the bat, wasn't she? Yep, she sure was. She was 
jump in the fences and climb in trees. And she did things that Grandma was really shocked about. Well, but Grandma kind of let her do that. I mean, she wasn't dressed traditionally either. Right. Grandma and Mom came to the conclusion they had to put kind of uh, pants on her. And they kind of look like, you know, not bloomers, but they puff out a little and gather at the knees. And then they wouldn't be able to see up a dress if she's climbing those trees. <laughs> well, now an early story, but it's very telltale was in 1904 with her father and her sister Muriel, they went to the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. Tell me what happened there. Yeah, when they were there, they, mom and everybody said, Phew, no, you know, you can't be riding a roller coaster. That's too dangerous. And they really wanted to, Amelia and her sister Muriel. And when they got home, they were talking about that roller coaster and they got Uncle Carl, which is called Uncle Niceed, to come over and say, help us build this roller coaster. <laughs> Gotta have one. Well, it should be understood that this was the introduction to the roller coaster. Nobody had ever seen one before 1904. So that was the, uh, that was the intrigue. But for her to come back and build one, this wasn't just a small roller coaster. This was off the roof of a back shed. Yeah, it sure was. And they would add tracks and do different things and try it out and think they, well, we've got to change it a little bit. And they they were having fun out there building. And I know from one conversation when Uncle Carl and Uncle Nicey was in eating and they were talking about the parents were oh, what's going on out there? What's all that racket? And they kind of made some excuses not to have to really answer that question. <laughs> but they were they were found out and immediately had to tear down the, uh, the roller coaster, but not before Amelia had a couple thrill rides, <laughs> and that was telltale on what thrilled her the rest of her life. Yeah, they added lard to it so that the seat would just fly off there, and it sure did. They had a little injuries that that's why grandma and mom said that's it well now as she got older she well just think of the period of time that she was growing up this was the early uh, 1900s right before world war one right before the spanish influenza epidemic and she saw a need and she would see needs throughout her life she was a giving person and she got into health care yeah, she sure did. Um, her sister was up in Canada and this war was going on and Millie said, I need to go up there. And she was a nurse's assistant and helping people in this uh, infirmary area where they were seeing all sorts of people that got hurt. And she, she, was, she was like that throughout her life, like you said. Well, now, after she did a stint doing that, and I think 1921, that's when she went to her first air show. And that must have grabbed her because the rest of her life was, most of it was spent in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, and then she started taking flying lessons soon, right soon after she was setting records. Yep, she sure was. Um, you know, she would get altitude records and 
Uh, she became the first woman to go over the Atlantic, and she just got a taste for making records and doing things that other people weren't doing and encouraging others to do things as well. Now, the first time she went over the Atlantic, she was not the pilot. She was uh, not the navigator. She uh, took took notes, and as she said, she felt like a sack of potatoes. So I, I think that that is what uh, gave her the impetus to fly it alone because she got a lot of accolades for just riding along, and she didn't feel it was worth, she was worthy. So right. off she goes to be a solo pilot in the first to fly the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, that was 1932 because she always wanted to set that straight. And that 1928 one where she was first woman over, um, she was supposed to be able to fly, but she wasn't able to. There was two other men on the plane and she just did that flight log. But something that a lot of people don't hear is that plane belonged to a woman and that was a woman's plane and her family thought it was too dangerous that's why they found were searching out a woman to be on that ride hmm i didn't know that yeah well then she continued on flying continued on setting records and continued buying better and better aircraft yeah, uh, well, you know, after you have some crashes and things go wrong, you're looking for something that would be better, that is less risky or flew faster and, you know, did more things or new equipment. This was all brand new things, so it's always, you know, changing and people were going and, and making things so that they were more reliable and better aircraft. Any story on any of the crashes? Oh gosh, yeah, we, you know, you have a, a few of those. Um, we have a paper in the article that shows where she got a bug in her eye, you know, as she was flying, or when she was with Nita Snook, her person that taught her how to fly um, was a woman, and they started going out, up, and that plane just cut out on them. And it was either hit some trees or go out down into a cabbage patch. And so they <laughs> went into a cabbage patch. So there's quite a few stories like that. She landed in a farm one time. And this is, um, you know, her book, one of her books is called 20 Hours, 40 Minutes. And on that flight, she didn't quite end up where she was supposed to. But she was going up where... You know, it was better to fly and, and not run into things, but it was getting ice on her wings. So yeah. she'd have to come back down, and it was a really rough flight, and she ended up in some people's farming area. Was she ever injured in any of her crashes? It's just minor things, really. Not anything big where she had to be hospitalized or anything like that. She was really lucky about yeah, that. She was such a small thing, really. Yeah. But she also had bright red hair. And that kind of was her personality, wasn't it? Yeah, that's for sure. And she had hair down to the middle of her back. We have a picture in one of um, her sister's books that's called uh, My Courageous Sister. And it shows her hair down like that. And, but she, she cut it off and, uh, you know, she curled it to make it more feminine too, but... You know, hair under a cap would have been hard when you had that flight helmet on. 
Well, you think of the times we're talking about and what women went through. The uh, 19th Amendment was passed in 1920. So just think of the effort to get the vote for women. And then here comes Amelia Earhart and others, Gloria, uh, Gloria Stein, Maria Curie, Eleanor Roosevelt, Susan B. Anthony, Margaret Sanger, Coco Chanel, these people, and, of course, Amelia Earhart, all changed the way society looked at women. They, they just, all through their actions and what they achieved, just not in what they thought. And by, by achieving things, they made people pay attention. Yes, they did. There was, you know, a time when Amelia was going to get married and... Her husband, George, had asked her five other times, and the sixth one she said yes, but she wrote him a letter on their wedding day and saying, I'm not going to apply to these medieval codes. I'm not going to be the normal housewife, you know, having supper ready, and I'm free to go after what I want to in life. And he agreed to that and became her publicist, and yeah. a good publicist he was. Right. Right. Well, she needed to raise a lot of money to make those flights and buy gas and buy airplanes and go different places. In 1935, she saw 80,000 people going place to place and raising money for that world flight that was going to be in 1937. Was she the first woman to ever get a ticker tape parade? I'm not sure. I'm not sure of that. I, yeah. I think the only other woman, but it was with her with her husband, was Eleanor Roosevelt. I yeah. recall that she got one, but I just wonder if Amelia Earhart wasn't the first individual woman to get her. And she got a ticker tape parade in Washington, New York, and Baltimore. Yeah, I think oh, so. We, we've got Baltimore. Some, yeah, we've got some pictures of her holding the tape that was coming through and also another uh, painted picture of the ticker tape parade she had. Now let's get on to the mystery and lore, which she is part of the biggest mystery in that whole century. What happened to Amelia Earhart on that flight where she tried to circumvent the world? What's And I've read several different thoughts, but what's your thought? Well, you know, I think about the different theories that come up, and, you know, of course there's some that you kind of laugh about, but more serious side, you think, well, it seems most obvious that she landed in the ocean and the plane went down. And that also is what the Smithsonian will say is they think that she drowned in the Pacific Ocean. You know, and then there's others that have a great case about being captured by the Japanese. You know, and the guy says he had a picture that we show here. And her mom thought the same thing, that the Japanese had her. Well, they thought that the Japanese captured her on this uh, small little island and then took her to Saipan, where they were treated as spies, supposedly, if you believe that theory, and were executed. Yeah. The other theory is that they stayed on that little island and kind of uh, survived as castaways. Yeah. That, uh, and didn't make it. I mean, just, and I guess there's been some people that have looked, gone to that island and found traces of things, people, skeletons, things like that, 
that uh, add to that lore. Right. And they say that they found her little powder case, something that she, you know, would have had with her. So there were a few items that they thought related well, to Amelia. I think they found anti-freckle cream. Yes. So <laughs> did she have freckles? Yeah, she did. Okay. Or <laughs> that, that adds to it just right there, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, who knows what happened, but that's... Uh, that's again. That's like finding the Titanic. Whoever finds that, that is that still continues to this day, and right. that uh, that's what. It's almost like you you hope they don't find it because it keeps the question <laughs> going. So. Yeah. Well, he did the Titanic guy Ballard. We thought that he might be able to find Amelia when he looked, but he didn't find her either. That's a big ocean out there. Yeah. Well, tell me about the ninety nines. Well, the 99s are the people that own us, and a gentleman here in town, Dr. Breback, uh, gave the house to them and their female pilot group, and Amelia was their first president and helped form the organization, and so they're the ones that own the house, and uh, they do a lot of good things. They've got thousands and thousands of members all over the world, and so that organization is still going, and... The reason it was called the 99s is back when Amelia's time, they sent out letters to 117 people and 99 of these, and they were all women pilots, and 99 of them joined. And so mm -hmm. they finally thought, that's a good name. Interesting. Well, uh, tell me about some of the correspondence you received from uh, little girls that come here and find, uh, find Amelia Earhart and her story compelling for them. What have you seen from, from people oh, that have visited? Yeah, we have little girls come, and they're dressed up as Amelia, and <laughs> sometimes they even give us their whole report about Amelia, and they remember the whole thing and just tell us all about her. They're very excited to be here, and even little girls that want to be pilots. So that's exciting. I really love that when they say, we're going to become a pilot. We've had a lady that she is really good on airplanes that loved Amelia, and she sends us information and even visited here, and she's, she's really fun. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that love Amelia and became pilots too. I would like to hear a story of somebody that went through the process and stuck to her dream because of Amelia, and that she's now you know, flying a fighter jet over, you know, the Balkans or something. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, um, ghosts, anything, uh, this could be a little creepy, <laughs> the house in, at night. Any, uh, any Amelia sightings? Well, not really. I mean, sometimes <laughs> you do get a little scared to hear something. I thought, what was that? And one time I did was in the office and out in the hallway I saw a flash and I thought, I, I don't know what that was. Maybe it's just through the window. <laughs> but when it's all dark here and you see the Millie Earhart little kind of wax statue in the other room, occasionally you'll go, oh, that scared me. <laughs> well, you had a gentleman that stayed here and he, he said he ran into ghosts or noises or what tell me about him yeah alex mandel he's from the ukraine and he's a 35 year historian of amelia 
He found her story a long time ago, just a little snippet of it in one of his dad's magazines. And he just became hooked on the story and, and wanted to learn more. But he spent the night here up in Amelia's room and the caretaker, Lou Foudre, was here and she said, sometimes lights come on or you hear people walking on the stairs. And he thought, well, okay. Went to sleep and that's what he heard, somebody walking on the stairs. And he got up and walked down the hall and nobody was there. I don't think Amelia would be walking on the stairs. She'd be sliding down the banister. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> Probably but so. Atchison, Kansas itself has really um, ha has really taken her as her as, as their hometown girl. Uh, wow. Several things are named for her, including your brand new bridge that uh, goes over the um, uh, the Missouri River. Tell me about that day that uh, the the ribbon cutting on the bridge. Oh, people were very excited about that. It just went so well with our town, and they did a spectacular job. They have even lights that will do red, white, and blue, and it'll show over the water. So even now, it's just spectacular, but it was a super exciting day when, when they had that. And plus, we really needed a bridge that yes, you did. helped us get over that river better. Well, it's a uniquely designed bridge. It's uh, yeah. very up-to-date, and I think Amelia would uh, would be proud of it herself. Yeah, that's for sure. What else in town is uh, named after Amelia? Well, there's a dental office, and it's okay. called the Canary, and that was one of her first planes that she the, had. The yellow plane. Yeah. Um, the post office is named after Amelia Earhart. What a fabulous building that is. Yeah, if you go inside, that's another historic, national historic place. And let's see what else is named after her. I'm sure that, oh, the Hangar Museum, of course. Right, and, where they have the, uh, they have one of her electras. Yeah, and they also, the airport there's Amelia Earhart Airport. So there's quite a few things that are named after her for sure. Well, I have to say this area is very proud of her and what she uh, what she accomplished in her short life, but that adds to the lore, and that adds to the mystery. I'm sorry she didn't live a long, productive life. It would have been very interesting to see what she accomplished after 41. Right. So that, just think of that in, in those times. You know, yeah, I, I wonder about that myself sometimes and think, Wow, look at all she accomplished. I don't think I'm accomplishing that much. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Earhart, President Earhart, you, you, you don't know. She'd have knocked down several other walls. Yes. But uh, Heather, I want to thank you for doing this. And I, I will tell people, this is, a, this is a wonderful museum, as I said in the historic part of uh, giving this interview. But uh, come here. You do get the feeling it's a wonderfully put-together uh, homage to uh, uh, to Amelia, and you'll be glad you did. This is Bob Ford of History, Mystery, and Lore, along with Heather Ace. We are keeping history alive so you can pass it on. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of passing history on, pass us on. If you have family or friends that are fans of history, rate us, Google us, 
or simply go to B-O-B-F-O-R-D-S History, Mystery, and Lore.SimpleCast.com That's with no punctuations, but yes to the two periods on either side of Simplecast. We've got 30 more free episodes already in the can and headed your way. So please, pass us on so we can keep on making history. Thank you.